Well, so we don't act like you ain't been drinking. Like, this, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Podcast on this Friday, February, May 15th, 2020. As we just start the show as soon as, like, I'm, boom, just start the show. Don't give us any time to talk. As we discuss the latest two episodes of the Jordan documentary, episodes seven and eight. We almost right. at the end. Almost. We almost made it. Got a little, you know, got a little emotional. Uh, seven. We'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody's buying the Jordan emotion. Okay, we'll talk about that. But as always, I'm, I'm by, by that he got emotional. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna buy the panel. I'm joined by my my panel. Rob Sapp, Chad Quinn. Yo. So, are we? Are we ready for this to be over, or how how we feel coming up on the last two episodes? What what's what's the thought process as we come up on episode nine and ten? I'll go. Um, what what episodes seven and eight? Yes, but I'm saying as we come up on episodes nine and no, ten. No, 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 no. I know, I know. I was just thinking about like what was the the last episode was seven and eight. Right. So I had thought once we got past the dream team stuff in the Isaiah Thomas stuff, I would be, I would not be irritated anymore. And um, I, it, it surprised me how agitated these, these two episodes got me. Like I was more angry these two episodes than I had been the entire series. So I expected to just chill through these last four episodes but no, now I kind of anticipate that the final two are, are going to escalate my, my anger. And I'll put it simply like this. Um, I was talking to uh, uh, my brother and he was telling me he was watching it with his wife, um, my sister-in-law, who doesn't know anything about anything, any of this, has no clue. Um, and she turned to him and was gone and said, I think Jordan's a narcissist. And I, was like, wow, I like her. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, it, it, to me, that said, like, it's now becoming more like the the veil is being pulled away, and now it's just full on. This docu series is all about my ego, and it's going to escalate in the next two episodes. So that that honestly is what I'm anticipating, and that doesn't give me great joy at all yeah i agree with sap but because i agree with him i may disagree with why i wanted to end this documentary has ignited or reignited how much i hate jordan <laughs> um it brought like every reason i hate jordan i have hated him all my years so i don't know what to do with, do with these emotions i'm like oh i can hate him for about four more episodes you know what I mean? Um, but the narcissism is at an all-time high. Um, I am ultimately, to Rob's point, I'm kind of ready for it to wrap up. When I saw an episode starting with BJ Armstrong, um, that was enough for me to say, wow, we're really reaching at this point. We're at we're, we're, we're the point where we are struggling to put content together. And um, um, I think the even the romantics, and Rob's talked about talking to his brother and his um, sister-in-law. I talked to Jordan friend, fans 
and I'm going to talk about this, what you said, a Jordan fan, like a diehard stand, was like, hey, I got a question to you, to you about editing. <laughs> the way this stuff is moving, does it make sense? I swear oh, to you. None. I, I, know, I know. I swear to you, this conversation just happened uh, two days ago. And I'm like, yeah, man, I think that it's very important that it ends this weekend because even the Jordan lovers are starting to see stuff that they didn't want to see. And that's the danger. So I'm very much ready for it to wrap up so I don't have to see any more B.J. Armstrong or Stanford Smith, whatever his name is. Luke Longley. Or- you have not seen Luke Longley. Luke, oh, he, excuse me. Bill One of them. Who yeah. cares? That's the point. Who cares? Any of them. Luke cares. Luke would care about yeah, that. Guy. Yeah, I bet he Luke does. don't fuck with you. Luke don't fuck with Jordan at all. Um, Fair enough. So we begin the episode with rest in peace, Craig Sager, uh, asking Jerry Krause, saying, uh, well, not so much asking, basically saying. You know, what about what's going on with what are your thoughts on all the backstabbing between you and the, the organization or you and the players or have you? And it was beautiful because it was it was a legitimate question. It was genuine. It was and it, it pissed Jerry Krause off. Jerry Krause, didn't, like he he didn't know what to, to say. Like he was thrown off. He was pissed off. And saying, you know, basically retorted, there's no backstabbing. Uh, these are professionals. I'm not surprised at all. Um, yeah, Craig Seger said, are, they, are you surprised the team was able to stay together through all this backstabbing? That's, that was paraphrasing, not exact, exactly what he said, but close enough. And pissed Jerry Krause off. And as uh, Krause, has walk, Krause walked away, um, and as the press conference was over, you had somebody say, where, where to go, Craig? So I liked, I liked, I enjoyed that opening of the episode seven in, uh, with Craig Sager. Because the reason I say this, because Craig Sager, people look at Craig Sager with the suits, think of him as kind of like a joke. Craig Sager is a real, like, reporter in terms of sideline reporter. He actually was skilled, but he became kind of like, unfortunately, it, Unfortunately, it became somewhat of a caricature with, with how he dressed with, with his suits and the Popovich interviews and what have, what have you not. But there was, he did have a skill set. So I was glad to uh, see him ask that question. What are your thoughts on how the episode opened? Surreal, you're my man and I love you. This is, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. This, 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 uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a space <laughs> with these two episodes. It just isn't going to go the way you are. That that opening didn't have anything to do with Craig Sager. Um, the opening had to, is the further vilification of uh, of Jerry Krause, right? And it's bullshit. Yep. It's complete and total bullshit. It's complete and total bullshit. Um, that like like the the more I think about it, the more unfair it becomes because it's like there's nobody to talk about his side. Like I fully anticipated way at the beginning of this, this thing. To be like, oh, maybe they'll uncover a little bit more about like what was going on and what happened. Mm-mm, mm-mm. They're, they're painting a black and white villain of Jerry Reinsdorf, of uh, uh, Krause. And I'm pissed at Jerry Reinsdorf that he just keeps getting yep. skated over, skated over, skated over, skated over. It just drives me crazy. 
Um, but uh, yeah, that so from the very beginning, it I was I was agitated. I was agitated as that because I find that disrespectful to Craig Sager in general. But that honestly has nothing to do with him. It's about the narrative that Team Jordan wants to spin, and the obvious narrative is to put um, uh, Kraus as like the villain who took this whole thing apart. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Um, what is bothersome for me is Jerry Krause died in 2017. Um, he'll never be able to speak on his side of things. And going back to like the art of storytelling, to Rob's point, you made it very black and white. The best stories have some complexity and dimensions to them. There's no dimension to the characters you created in this story. Not at all. This is like barely elementary type style of writing and storytelling. So it's like we didn't highlight that Jerry Krause made a, root, uh, a move to get Dennis Rodman for Will Purdue trade. And all the other, I mean, that's just one quick example of the stuff that he's done. You know what I mean? The Horace Grant move, the Oakley for Cartwright. We didn't really magnify any of the good stuff that he did. And it's like there's so much, so much of a focus on the negativity and painting him out as the, the, the ultimate villain. Sure, he's a villain, but who's the ultimate villain here? Who has the power to sign off on everything, right? And I texted you guys earlier, like, Jordan's love and loyalty or whatever, faith to certain white people really is troublesome for me, right? The way Jerry Reinsdorf comes off in this, the way Phil Jackson come off in this, it's like, wow. So, like, that thing, and I hear you, Surreal, your sentiment as a fan, like, we find ourselves pulling at straws what we are grasping at. What the art of storytelling, they don't want to give a damn about Craig Sager saying that. Nope. That was not about Sager. It was to show crowds looking frustrated and flustered with this questioning. Yep. That's all that was to show. Yep. yep. So it was successful in that so so if you look at it, right, like you, you guys know I love superhero movies, right? And the best villains, I mean, this is just storytelling, like you said, Chad, in general. The best villains are the ones who believe that they're right, right? They're the heroes of their own story. And so a great dynamic would have been, you know, obviously Krauss believed in what he was doing. So show the, the why. Show yep. the why, show the positives of everything. And then that balances it out and you get a much more well-rounded um, story. But this uh, docu-series is all about how everything impacts Jordan. And so that's what I mean by um, it didn't have anything to do with Craig Sager. The thing that impacted Jordan or promotes the Jordan narrative is seeing Krauss be uh, huff and puff and not want to acknowledge whatever it is he didn't want to acknowledge and walk off the stage. And so, again, it paints him in a very uh, black and white picture of he's he's the villain right you definitely didn't analyze how jordan took gave the entire media time out didn't want to talk to anybody but we're gonna highlight <laughs> whatever yeah so we get to his um his father's uh murder and the big kind of narrative was of that besides the fact that he quit, um, was the 
the uh, the supposed media treatment of Jordan through that ordeal. Um, the idea that people were trying to make connections or asking or speculating that his gambling could have had something to do with the murder. Now, can it be proven that his gambling was tied to the murder? No, but I don't think that it's a reach to speculate if you have a degenerate gambler, which which Jordan was, including and still is, if your father comes up murdered, there's going to be some speculation on that. Was the was that is that unfair reporting by the media to speculate on that? How do you think how do you think that was covered uh, in this documentary? Uh, chat. This is very difficult for me um, because it's, because it's laughable for me. Um, I don't think we use this Jordan documentary as the barometer of what's unfair and what's fair journalism. Once again, as I said last week, Jordan is not a victim and he's not the first person or first celebrity to be put in this situation um, where we're then magnified and there, you know, what's the old saying? Where there's smoke, there's fire. So I don't feel like the the connections or the, the 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 proposed correlations to his gambling and his dad's situation are that far, far off right we can argue the level of sensitivity and the timing of things but it's like the fact remains okay you were on a court case with a known drug dealer and gambler like these are these are real situations that happen right in your life so this is fair game you are also gambling in the middle of the playoffs these are all fair situations that happen it's not like they were just prying and trying to find things about jordan they were out there i do think that the documentary did a good job of painting jordan as a victim and saying like this is out of bounds and they made sure that they only interviewed his flunkies during those times to answer those type of questions so like if you're just watching this unaided you're like oh wow then that was a little insensitive or whatever but it's like okay everything is so skeptical there's so many situations about this documentary that are sketchy right for so many people to say well damn when he left david stern suspended him and this is what they like there's all of these random things out there and they're like nah that's just something it reminded me of the tiger king um for, to anyone who's seen that documentary um with carol whatever her last name baskins and her husband missing I'm like what that's crazy why would i put him in a meet like it, it jordan sounded a lot like carol baskins at this point <laughs> um to those people on here who've watched the, the tiger doc, tiger king documentary like no it's not that complicated but you're making like these things don't all relate but they kind of do you know what I mean? For his dad to just be tired and just pull off on the side of the road and then people just to kill him for whatever. What did they even get? Did they get money? Like, I don't, I, like it wasn't enough detail to, like, to, to further investigate why people would just kill him on the side of the road and take his belongings. So, like, I'm all for it. Like, once it's out there and it's open, it's all fair game. And as Rob talked about earlier, Jordan already spoke about, look, anytime the media gets here, I'm taking a timeout. 
And I said this to you guys maybe through text, and I'm like, damn, I'm thinking about one thing this documentary has opened up to me is that Jordan would not have made it during the social media era. You know what I mean? I'm looking at watching these, these players who get fined that they're late to the podium. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're late. Forget taking two weeks off and not talking to anybody. Forget just answering questions that are about basketball. I told you before, like Steph Curry had to answer a question about his wife and what she said on social media. They had nothing to do with basketball. So what the hell is the scope of what's fair and what's not fair? I thought this was in the scope, but I'm done. And where is Jordan's wife and all that? Where is his ex-wife? Why haven't we heard from her? Wouldn't she be a valuable piece of... Uh, I didn't want to go there. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go into Jordan's dad's death at, at any, any high rate. The docuseries made it clear what they believe. They believe the media was unfair. They believe the media was yada, yada. And Jordan's dad is just kind of like a, you know, it happens. You go on the side of the road, somebody kills you. End of story. That's what the documentary said. So I'm not, I'm not even going to touch. I'm not even going to touch that because it's not worth touching. Yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, I, I just don't, I think the, the speculation was fair, though. That's why my, my whole point. I don't think the speculation. I think the speculation on how on what could have transpired was fair speculation. I don't. I don't think it was unfair. That's my. You know, not at all. That's my point. Uh, overall point to that. Um, so they pound us with this Scotty Burrell. <laughs> Forget about B.J. Armstrong, but this Scotty Burrell uh, narrative where he basically is, you know, berating Scotty Burrell. He's all over Scotty Burrell. He's trying to mold Scotty Burrell, um, ripping him in practice, coming at him left and right. And he says he sees potential in Scotty Burrell. Um, and Scotty Burrell comes out, of course. Of course, they show Scotty Burrell having a good playoff game against the New Jersey Nets in a series where they would have won or swept regardless if Scotty Burrell was on the team or not. Um, what about that part of just how they use Scotty Burrell to kind of to boost Michael Jordan's leadership abilities? Let me go here first, Rob, mm -hmm. on this one. You got it. This situation was very problematic for me for a number of reasons. As I text, you know, you guys, number one, <laughs> from a masculinity standpoint, I don't know how Scott Burrell's wife even looks at him again. <laughs> I just I just don't. Um, <laughs> less jokingly, we all work in education. I think it's very dangerous precedent that we're setting here as far as the what it takes of to be to this level of excellence. Um, it was completely demeaning, over the top. If you work long enough in corporate America or in the workforce, you've experienced either directly or indirectly some form of toxic relationship. And it was cringeworthy watching Scott Burrell's just body language. Forget Jordan calling him a hoe, just his body language. Like just being uncomfortable with Jordan around and his presence and his bullying nature. Um, and I hated that it was used as a prop to show this is what it takes. Because there's, as I said before, this documentary is interesting because it gives you pieces if you'll catch them, depending on what you're looking at. Scott Burrell name, hey, 
what Jordan didn't understand, we were never on his level. We were just doing the best we could. This is Scott Burrell talking. So, like, let's let's, let's not understand when you're saying, well, I only asked what I would do. My Jordan, everyone's not you, dog. Everyone doesn't have your skill set. We can stay in the gym just as long as you, sweat harder or just as hard, blood, sweat, tears. We're not you. And for you to continuously berate this man and find people to prey on, because when Scott Burrell met Jordan, he was a rookie, you, my friend, are the classic definition of just a bully. Right? Bully takes two things as far as a definition, power and a pattern. Jordan had both. This wasn't an aberration. He did this shit consistently. He exerted his power, his authority, and a pattern. What they did not document is when Cart- Cartwright said, nigga, I will cut your fucking legs off if you do this shit again. The documentary didn't bring that up for some reason. Interesting. Interesting about leadership. We showed... Jordan Punk and Scott Burrell and Steve Kerr. So it was, for me, just disgusting. It was a disgusting display and dangerous um, display, as I said before, for young people watching and to say, oh, this is what it takes. Even in the industry I work in and working in film, and I've seen people demean people because they think that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. If I direct, if I do this, I need to talk to people beneath me a certain way. Mm-hmm. That's not true. That's not true. You know what I mean? So... We'll get into it later if you talk about it, like even him crying about it. The commonality that's bothersome is the same thing that I saw with the whole Republican comment, right? Where there's no remorse, there's no like regret, there's no like, damn, maybe I could have done this differently. In his mind, like, no, this is right. And if you think this is, how dare you think this is different? And that's why his frustration comes from. His anger and his tears are coming from you don't understand. It's like the episode of Martin when him and Gina were in a couple's relationship. He's like, no, people make me mad. It's not me, people. This is what Martin is believing. This is what Jordan, those tears are so fake, but real. They were the realest fake tears I've ever seen in my life. Where he's like, no, why won't people understand you have to be an asshole? That's what he's saying. Yep. And it was considerably disturbing. It was blasphemous. It was an overseer, a slave master mentality that was on display. And it was disgusting to see. That's it. Three points. One is um, I encourage everybody to look up the definition of narcissism and a narcissist. It, it, It will nail, it will nail, it will crystallize what Jordan's perspective perfectly. Um, the second thing is, I was going to say real, I was going to do the thing that I do on the wire. I was, when we get to the crying part, I'll relate it back, back okay. to this. The chat started to, to pull on, pull on that thread. And then the third thing is, I'm actually glad this happened in a way, because um, as an educator who deals with a lot of these situations, I'm always confronted with, well, this is bullying, this is bullying, this is bullying, this is bullying. And most of the time, it absolutely isn't bullying. It's just people being mean to each other, um, which is very different from bullying. Now I have a clip. And I, when I saw this, I was like, this, I'm going to cut this clip out and show this. This is the absolute textbook version of bullying. And that's simply what it, what it is. He was bullying. He's bullying him then, and he's bullying him now. Um, and that that is that is as textbook as you can get. Yeah, it you know, man, Scott Scott Burrell, 
um, yeah, I mean, I think they this was a running uh, constant theme in this episode. It's been a constant theme throughout the series where there's this ideal, and I hear the people who defend Jordan, um, not even just the Jordan stands. I'm talking about even just people who are just regular basketball fans and basketball heads defend defend him in terms of this the narrative of he had to do that in order to take the team to the next level and get the team to win championships and this this that and the third and when you step behind it you really look at the Chicago Bulls as an organization as a whole they had Bill Jackson all-time great coach okay you had Jerry Krause, one of the best general managers of that era. You had Scottie Pippen, one of the top Hall of Famer, uh, you know, top 50 player, you know, 21, according to this new list, but Hall of Famer, one of the best number twos of all time. They had great role players, and they had, you know, the greatest player of all time. So the point is, Jordan's anger his mentality was not the, the, the reason at the heart of the reason why they won those championships and that's that's been the narrative throughout the course of this series like i like this this narrative i had to be mean i had to do i had to be an asshole i had to do this to drive this team towards winning six championships so can I, I add go ahead i think people are having a hard time distinguishing talent distinguishing talent and greatness versus killer instinct and, and, and mentality. Go ahead. The only thing I want to add to what you're saying and I completely agree with is even if we can argue, which we can't, but if I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll play around with it for a minute. You know what I'm saying? If we can argue that Jordan had to do this, the problem I have with it, besides that not being true, is the other side of the balance that's needed if that is true, right? All of those players, cool coach, Scott Burrell, Steve Kerr, Will Purdue included, have been on record saying Pippen was the best teammate. Every time Jordan said this, Pippen came and grabbed our shoulder and said, yo, don't listen to him. Da -da -da -da. So it's like, if you're going to show that, show the balance that was needed. If we're going to go with that narrative that, yo, I had to be hard, but they still needed someone to build them up when I'm destroying them. I can go with that ride. I can go with that ride to a certain degree if you're still showing that balance of what's needed. But it's simply to say, going back to Rob's definition of narcissism, where we won't even get into analyzing any of this, because when you break down narcissism, you'll be like, oh, this all makes sense. We don't have to go here. But if you're not going there, it's like, okay. You're breaking people up. Who's putting them together? Like everyone that you've come in contact with has been young and impressionable. There's a pattern here. Everybody that you're doing this with has been young and impressionable or new to the team, to the establishment. That's the only people you see going up. You ain't doing this with vets, right? When Jordan saw them in there doing drugs and all that, he didn't say, yo, stop right now. We got to win. He left. <laughs> no, this, this came in funky. He didn't do this part right. He knew this with Oakley. He saw these young little white boys and black boys that just joined the team and said, yo, we ain't doing that here. This is what it is. Right? And it's like it took them to grow up and be men to say, yo, this ain't right. Or 
to still be conditioned to think it's right. This is why he still has friction with Horace Grant, calling him stupid and all these things. It's like, yo, he shouldn't be calling me stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is brainwashing, man. And it's very problematic for me to see another black man doing that to another black man. Like, that's very problematic that you're doing this. You're, you're hit here with this spew of hate and anger and no balance, man. I think like we we gotta we we gotta like name it now, right? Like and so like when I was on the phone with my brother, I was talking about this, and it's like all right, and I think I might have said this on the show, but I think we got like for real, like name it now, right? Like you look at the difference between a LeBron James and a Jordan. Jordan is corporate made. He is he he was signed, sealed, and delivered by Nike and Gatorade, right? Like there's there is no. Uh, uh, there's no found, there's no essence of Jordan of who he is and what he brought to that. Like they created be like Mike and he fed into that. Right. And so like when you are given everything by the white man and by that, the mentality that, that, that falls into that capitalism, let me just name, let me just name all this, all this thing, capitalism and racism and all of that stuff that, that piles into that, then this is what, this is what you get, right? You get somebody, and I see here, Surreal, you have it on the notes, but I'm just going to put it right now. You create somebody with a God, God complex, like the two kind of like go hand in hand, right? And like everything that, that we're saying, and, and, and probably my main beef with this entire exercise is um, that narcissism feeding into that corporate made God complex of, of uh, a mismatch of Everybody worship me. Nobody say anything mean about me. Yeah. Right. Like, like it's just that simple. It's just that simple. I want to be a god. Absolutely. I want to be lauded for all of that, all of those things. But I don't want any of the consequences. No matter how small those consequences are, just somebody saying something not nice to him, he can't handle it. Um, and there's it's because there's no foundation. There's no there's no who he actually is. So real quick, speak on anything. No, I'm so sorry, Rob. To your your point, to Rob's point, to amplify that, the director said he was not even anticipating this level of emotion that Jordan showed during that moment. It was just a general question. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This is. He said this is is less than two hours into our interview. I wasn't even trying to go deep. No, hold on. Let's 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 hold. Let's let's say that because I'm still arguing for a couple things. But yeah, we're gonna go deep dive on that. Okay. I, a couple things. I do think, and I'll mention this later on, but there's there, there was no question, without question, a God that he has or had has still has that God complex. There's no there's no two ways about it in terms of how he moves. And also, I think that he, you know, when he's doing this, this is like the '90s, early '90s, late. This is the decade of '90s. I feel like he took advantage of um, the stand, just how culture was in terms of like he had in his mind. I'm gonna make you. I'm like a father figure to y'all. I'm gonna make you a man. This is how I'm going by making. I'm going to make you a man. So I, it's, it's so many layers of going on with that with the God complex, narcissism. He probably looked at him like, yeah, I'm your daddy. I'm just how I'm gonna break you. So I think there's a lot, there was a lot going on. It was, it clearly is bullying. Remember, bullying back then, nobody called that shit bullying in the 90s. It'd be like, what, bullying, what? 
you better fight. Like it was like it was things were totally different. Like shit that we shit that we were taught maybe coming up hasn't aged well come 2020. That shit his his style of leadership, I don't think couldn't these these players couldn't deal with that type of leadership in 2020. Time out, time out. I, I want to say that's that. Not on these players. No, that's not. I'm knocking on these players. That's not, no, no, not no, 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 no. But it's it. It is it. It can be interpreted that we are condoning yep. Jordan's behavior. So it wasn't okay then. It's not okay in the middle. It's not okay now. The difference being is Jordan and his team had a fucking silo over all of that behavior right like so all the all we had all we heard was jordan is a leader and he leads through example of this internal will and everything like that the, the created message which is what a good marketing team does i'm not mad at them for doing this but now you put this out there for everybody to see and we should be able to interpret it not only by these standards but by the standards of that if it was being said at that time, then people would be able to break it down at that time. It just wasn't put out there like that. And I want to make it less complicated for, to, to what Surreal was saying. We have to be very careful with the distinguishing comments about this era and that era when it comes to physicality. Okay? There's no denying that those times, that era, 70s, 80s, 90s, was more physical than today's game. We're not talking about physicality. We're talking about a mental game. That I'm talking about psychological. Playing. No, I'm talking about psychological. I'm not but we're talking about a psychological game played on targeted audiences, right? Once again, bullies have power. Jordan picked who he was going to do this with. This wasn't like he was doing this with Cartwright and Horace Grant and all the other bad boys there and Ron Harper. He wasn't doing that shit. Hopefully. He did it with the weak. Let's be very clear about that. So when you talk about this generation, fuck no. Let's not do that whole this generation thing. This shit still happens with this generation. Bullying has always been in existence. This shit still happens. People know who to pick with. And it was always wrong and it will always be wrong. So I don't want us to get caught up into like, well, damn, the players of 2020 couldn't have handled this. Like Haslam and other players, even Isaiah Thomas Jr., the second Isaiah Thomas came out, <laughs> and he got, you know, vilified on. He's like, yo, I know Jordan's a GOAT, but for me watching this, this is what he said. He's like, it seemed like people already lost the mental game. They already saying, conceding, like he can say whatever to them. I don't get it. I respect Jordan. I don't get it. Haslam, he would have had to see me, dog. I respect Jordan as a goat. That's my point. No, that's my no, point. What I'm saying is, you said no, that's you, you my made point. a comment, this, though. You made a comment saying today's generation couldn't have dealt with that. Fuck that. that no, they wouldn't have dealt with it. Haslam, you just said Haslam said oh, he would have to see me. He wouldn't have dealt with that shit. That's my whole point. No, 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 no. But that's no, no, no. My point is, really quickly, it's not about a generational thing. It's a character thing. It's not a 2020 energy. The niggas in 1980s wouldn't have dealt with it either. It's the people he picked with. That's what you have to focus on in this conversation. It's the people he picked with. He could pick with people in 2020. They still will be like Steve Kerr. Best believe that. It's a bully mentality. So, like, don't get caught up in generations and this group does that. No, it's fucked up and it was always fucked up. And bullies know who to pick with. They've been doing this since the beginning of time. That's never going to change. That's my point. And that's very dangerous. So we got to make that distinction really quickly. Like, no, this is not cool, man. 
we got stri- we got stripped the the gleam off of the Jordan Mystique, right? Like like all of that and like all of that commentary kind of like falls into it. Like he he needed to be this way to people to be in order to get them to to win, and it's just not true. So and hold on, real quick. I'm sorry. This last thing people. I want to say, real quick, Rob, and then I'm done. Yeah, I know you got the GP and all that other stuff. But like you said something very important about oh, hold 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 in. Gary <laughs> Payne, I'm, I'm not being very I know. I, that's all you. I ain't gonna say that. But to real, real quick to Rob's point about stripping the mystique down, right? This came out watching this documentary, but this wasn't the first time we saw this. And I'm like, damn. Storytelling is so dangerous because it's so powerful. Like, you know, when Donald Trump says something like, you know you know, this shit is not, you know, these are, this is not real news, it's fake news and all this other type of stuff. We run with these narratives. When Shaq says, finally, the story he made up about David Robinson wasn't real, instead of calling people on a lie, we like, we applaud them for finding a way to build themselves up to be angry enough to perform to a certain level. <laughs> so we're watching this documentary this fucking no-name dude who's sitting at home minding his business that averaged six points or whatever you said, we'll talk about later. Jordan makes up a whole fucking story. And we giggle about that. And we giggle. Was giggling. And we like, but, but no, hold up, Rob. Hold up. Time out. Time out. Not only do we giggle, it the mystique. It builds the mystique. Like, oh, wow. That's crazy that Jordan, he always finds a way. What the What? What? Are you serious? Are you serious? The GOAT, the best player in the league, had to find someone averaging six points a year and make a lie about him to get up for the game? That's where we are. And that's the danger of storytelling because now we're flipping it. I'm taking this. If I'm an eight-year-old self with me, like, yo, it's okay to lie. It's it's okay to call your teammates bitches and hoes and do all this stuff if you want to be the best. That's the danger of what's going on in this documentary. Fuck that. Fuck Jordan. He's a fucking coward. And I would punch him in his face if I saw him right now. Put that on my whole life. Sorry. There we are. Now we're real. Now we had a real moment. We're here. <laughs> Sorry, ads. Yeah, yeah, but this is where we are. This is where we are. So... Get to uh, Scottie Pippen. Um, Jordan is out the 93-94 season. Scottie Pippen has an MVP caliber season, finishes third MVP. He wins the All-Star Game MVP, has the best season of his career, uh, All first-team All-NBA, first-team All-Defense. The Bulls finished 55-27 and 27 that, that year, and we're a Hugh Highlands call away from getting to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Knicks. Um, he, now, Scotty, game three against the Knicks, they're down 2-0. Scotty refuses to go in the game because the play wasn't called for him. Uh, Phil Jackson, he refuses to go in the game. Phil Jackson calls the play for Tony Kukoc. Kukoc makes the shot. Uh, we, we know what happened in the locker room. Bill Cartwright breaks down. Scotty ends up break down, breaking down. Uh, Jordan calls Phil Jackson and says, Scotty will never live this down. 
What are your thoughts on Jordan calling Phil Jackson being retired? It's you, Chad. Go ahead. <laughs> I see I my I see my time to chat on this one. <laughs> Jordan, I'm trying. I, I Jordan challenges me as a writer to figure out new words to describe him. He is like the ex-girlfriend. <laughs> is still commenting on your new girlfriends in your life like why are you with her he's he's everything that people think that kevin durant is and more i'm sitting here and i'm watching and i because like i said this art of storytelling it, it draws you in but then you're like hold up let me step back what are we doing this for again mm-hmm. that's my first question why are we showing this why are we showing this why are we conf- why this whole week the media spent talking about Pippen and will he ever redeem himself from what? Why is Pippen calling this saying, I hate the way the documentary shows me? 30 years ago. Why, and going back to Krause thing, and Rob, we talked about this, and Surreal, we talked about this, a pattern. This pattern is very simple. Not all, This is like, wow, this is narcissism 101. This is like, this is your show, Surreal? But it's your show with demanding that me and Rob be on mute and no video the whole time. <laughs> I want y'all on my show, but no one talks and no one is shown. No, that, and then and then real takes the time to bring up every fucked up thing we've ever done. There we go. There we go. And it's also we're only gonna show your bloopers. <laughs> we're gonna show two things for you. We're gonna show your bloopers and we're gonna show sound bites of you talking about how great I am. That's it. <laughs> That's all you guys are gonna get, but I want you on my show. Surreal, this might actually give you ideas. And and I'm watching this. I I hate, Surreal, this is real talk with you. I hate every time the documentary goes off and you send me these well-thought-out, well-intended plans about the episode. And you also send me out all this shit that the show didn't show. You give me stats. We always research, and I told this last week, we're always researching after the fucking show. Right. Show me the whole person, like we said with Kraus. Show me that Pippen had an all-star a campaign this year. Show me that he was third in the MVP voting. Show me he's all defense. Show me all of this other stuff. And if you still have time, you can show me the time he didn't go in the game. But what is the part purpose? What purpose are we serving? I and we know that answer. Really quickly, because I, I told you this story. I had another friend. She called me. She don't know anything about any of this. Younger, younger than us. And the first thing she said was, why is Scottie Pippen such a bitch? That's why. That's why. Wow. That's, why. That's, and, that's the power of a one-sided narrative. That's and, what she did. And to that point, Rob, I've read a lot of articles since then, a lot of sound bites. What's not shown in this documentary if Steve Kerr and Cartwright and everybody saying that was a quick moment, Scotty was still easily the best teammate I had. Cartwright saying anytime we had a defensive issue when Jordan was around two, the first question was put Scotty on him. All of this shit that showed what Scotty was to this team was not aired. And also, I told you guys this before we started watching the documentary. There was an article a couple of weeks before the documentary started with Jackie and Mullen. And she says, you know, she called Jordan on the golf course during his retirement. 
uh, the first one. And she asked him about the Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson situation. He was like, this is fucked up. George is so fucked up. He said, why would Phil do that? He knows how Scotty would have reacted to that. And this is the same man they call Phil Jackson to say that Scotty would never recover. Like I told you, he's a fucking Lannister. <laughs> he, he's, he's Walter White, Lannister, bloodline. All of this shit is like, yo, you are evil. I don't know what else to say. This is the most evil diabolical. I don't even use the word diabolical. I've never thought about using that word. <laughs> like, damn, you are a movie villain. <laughs> Fuck this document. This should have been a narrative by Christopher Nolan. This should have been a Jordan movie saga. And I would have relished in making him like Joker. Because this motherfucker is so evil. I don't think he has one friend in life. A real... I want someone to tell me, who is, who is Jordan's friend? Can you Google that? His, who is Jordan's friend? His ex-wife might be able to tell us. Oh, she knows. We'll, we'll never hear from her. We'll Not his kids. No, yeah. Oh, yeah, or his kids. That's right. <laughs> I forgot. Forgot about them. Yo, fuck, yo, I'm real, I'm mad. I'm sorry, I'm done. But you were like, yo, every week I talk to you like a broken record. You were like, you know, I think next week they finally gonna get Pippin some shine. You say this all the time. You say this all the time. Is it the last two week episodes? No, no, they did. They no, it was what episode that they showed his Arkansas high school. That was his shine. That was his shine. That was it. That was it. That was it. That was it. So the same up. episode that showed his shine, it also showed his stupidity, just for the record, because that contract. was the whole issue about yeah, the contract. Yeah, yeah. So you're yeah. right. They yeah. did give him his shine. That was it. That was and it. If, at the end of the episode, Jordan says, Scotty was wrong for not playing. <laughs> episode over. Like I told you last week, they beat up Ku Coach. Scotty shouldn't have said that about Ku Coach. Episode over. Pattern here. Do you see a pattern? Jordan wants to make it very clear. I could have won regardless. So let me minimize Pippin and elevate myself just to be clear. I was going to win anyway. That's what I see happening. And that's really fucked up, man. I want Scotty. I got to find a way to talk to Scotty off the record. I need to talk to this nigga. Because Scotty's still nice and humble and shit. Like, yo. You need to propose the other documentary. Like, I have, you need, I need, that's, that's what go. Call these, call these Negroes up. We need I'm gonna, call, I'm gonna call Superheads people. Get his whoever produced her shit. Get I'm his wife. Him. Get his ex-wife. That's the yes. one. I know she has an NOD, but damn. How much money <laughs> did she lose? She got 180 million. She got 160 million dollars. So 160 million. How much do you need? How much would she lose? I honestly think <laughs> you she need would her. give up 158 we million we need to her. put this nigga in the ground. We need her. We do. I think she'd be good with living with $2 million to bring him down completely. <laughs> I do. I you need do. her. Now's the time. Where are you I'm going to start a GoFundMe. <laughs> I'm going to start a GoFundMe to like, yay, listen, I got $500,000. This is all I can give you. And no, it's a fucking drop in the bucket. But you can once and for all tell your story about him. You're not going to be able to live off of much. You probably get a little one-part bedroom condo, some shit, in fucking Albuquerque. But you'll get him back. 
I'm gonna talk to her. I'm gonna find her people. She probably got like 500 friends on Facebook. <laughs> She's not that popular. I'm gonna find some people. Oh man. Uh, so let's get to the the end of the episode, episode seven, where he he breaks down and basically trying to say, I did what I had. You know, it, it, might, it reminded me sort of, it, it kind of reminded me of Walter White a little bit. When Walter White used to say, I did what I had to do for my family. That's, he had one of those moments. It, Very it, was, good. Walter, it was Walter White. Very <laughs> that's, good. What, that's what it was. So he, he breaks down and says, you know, if you didn't want to win, and I, I just wanted to win and time out, break. And, you know, it, it was like I was completely thrown off. It took me, even that night, I was like, what, what just happened? So <laughs> I'm like, what, why is he crying? So there are two ways, there are two ways that you can, you can interpret this. I interpret it as how dare we question him as a basketball player, as a person, teammate, Look what I provided for, look what I provided you as a country in terms of what my enter, entertainment value, championships, so on and so on. There's also a, it could be a perception of, interpretation of he might be regretful in terms of the type of person he is. You don't see that at all? Or the father that he was? Because they, they're starting to, it sounds like this things are starting to come out to where he wasn't probably around the way he, should have been around. Nope. Oh. You're reaching. You're reaching. I don't, I don't have anything to do with it. So, okay. So give me, a, give me your interpretation of why he broke down. It was number one. That's what she said. Number one. Number one. No, it is number one. I'm going to be 30 seconds in. Mm-hmm. Fuck what it is. It was awkward as shit. Like, I don't, I'm very uncomfortable with that scene. I was not at all emotionally connected to him crying because it felt so left field for me. It came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere, like you said, surreal. It just simply was, how dare you even ask me this question? Like the director said, Jordan thought he was a great person. He's like, hey, so some people don't think you're a great person. Jordan was still stuck on that. Some people think I'm not a great person. <laughs> That's what, what happened. That's what happened. Hey. Some people don't think I'm a great question person. And then the question kept coming. He was like, hold the fuck up. What do you, who, who does not think, what, me? <laughs> I'm the greatest person ever. And then the tears came. That's all that was. It was no deep psychoanalysis of fatherhood and pain and tor- Fuck all of that. Fuck, how dare you? I am crying because I can't crush your fucking head right now. I am fucking insulted that you asked me that question and I have so much anger in me. That's where those emotions were. How? This camera's on. How dare you? I, I'll break in there, Chad, to to, to save it. you a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it it was awkward as hell. Um, and and especially when you consider, like, it was a segment directly after he had just we had just gone through all this stuff with his dad dying and everything like that, and not a crack at all from him. And then this innocuous question about like people are starting to think you might not be the nicest person in the world. And this is, you know, this is that, that, that part. So the way where he breaks down. So awkward as hell, um, fueled in narcissism. And then I'll just add also performance, you know, performance. At some point in time, I guess he felt he needed to, 
to cry and apparently that that was the time where he needed to to put some emotions together um but it's number one it's number one it's number one this this was this was about him and about um you know somebody said something mean about him he's he's very he can't handle that very well and and i will add one more one more very small nugget to rob's point if there is any real emotional connection the first time fear that this could possibly damage my brand in any capacity like when that question was posed to him i really do think it threw him off that because i told you going into this I read his article and Jordan's like, I'm really worried about how people are going to perceive the Scotty Burrell stuff. So I think like when the director asked him this, he's like, well, hold up. I'm not great. And I had to rap- grapple with that for a moment. But other than that, it was made for TV drama. It was the only pause that we saw in this whole time. Like Rob said, with all the other heavier lift stuff or seemingly heavier lift stuff, it was the first time um, that we saw a vulnerable stage of Jordan. And it, once again, it speaks to Rob saying, let's go back to the classic definition of narcissism. All right. So I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking about the Gary Payton stuff. So I'm trying to save up a lot about the Gary Payton. I, can, I, I, actually, I actually can't. I actually can't. Because the, the client part, like there are three big pieces in, this, in these two episodes that drove me insane. It was the crying. It was the, the fucking baseball part portion of it. And it was Gary Payton. Um, and so I, I just can't let this go. I can't let this go. So um, there, there is a deeper analysis that needs to be had here. And that ties back to like what I was saying with Burrell, just with um, the young boy um, who he was bullying. Um, uh, and the, the analysis is, is that, again, Jordan has a very cre- carefully crafted image of himself. There's no truth. The reason why that he, that he could be so brittle is because there's no foundation there. All of this is publicly created. And so that, that part, the part that appeared to offend him the most and get him the most was the part that was like, wait, I, like, I do all of this for everyone else. I do all of this to make everyone else better. By me doing this, I create winners. Therefore, everything I do is great. And how dare anybody attack any of that? It feeds into that whole narcissism part that we talk about. He is allowed corporate structure-wise and internal-wise to do as he pleases because the end result is, is championships, is winning. He said it way back in the beginning of this whole thing, you know, that, you know, the two things. I play basketball and I win, right? Like if th- those are his two pillars. If we had to say that is the measure of the man that is Jordan, those those are his those are his two ethos that that he's he's put out there. And so when you filter everything through that, then anything in in pursuit of that is reasonable and in filtered through his mind and his psyche and then everybody else around him not only reasonable but righteous um and so uh as much as it could potentially be performance i actually really really look at that and and like that is is a a crisis of of conscience of 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 real of this carefully crafted image that was created for him and thus he's taken on and, uh, and has has imparted onto himself and 
the reality of how his actions impact other people. And to your point, Chad, then the perception that, wait, what I could, what I did could be perceived as bad or mean or upsetting to other people. Why don't they understand? All I want to do is win. All right, I'm done. So we're going to go to uh, Rob's, Rob's portion of the show. Let's get it. We go to the 96 NBA Finals. Uh, Seattle came into that year. This is the, the Bulls' record-breaking season where they won 72 games. They cruised through the conference, uh, Eastern Conference, uh, sweep Orlando, take the Knicks out in five, sweep swept their first-round series uh, uh, as well. And they go in as overwhelming favorites, of course, against a, a, a very good Seattle team. Uh, any other year, Seattle's a championship team. And any other year, play, playing any other team, Seattle was that good that year, led by, of course, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, uh, Deadlift Strip. That was a deep, talented team. Um, to get down 3 nothing. George Carl didn't uh, – Gary Payton then demands that he guards Jordan. I'm not even giving George Carl any credit for that because he – he uh, was late to the party from that standpoint, and it admitted admitted as so with interviews this this week that he should have made that move sooner, you know. But um, during that series, that was the worst finals performance by Jordan by far. Uh, gave you the numbers. Um, Same again, uh, now. Repeat. Yeah, no, I, I'll run them off. So for that series, Jordan was twenty-seven, five, and four. Um, shot only 41% from the field. Um, first three games before Peyton was guarding him, he was averaging 31 a game, 46%. The last two games, uh, the last three games with Peyton guarding him, he averaged 23, 23 and a half, 23.6, and only shot 36% uh, from the field. That year, Gary Payton, at that time, Gary Payton was by far and away the best was one of the top point guards in the league and by far and away the best defensive point guard in the league, defensive player of the year, matter of fact, uh, that, that, that season in 96 and, and one of the great defensive guards of, of all time. Um, so they asked him the question about Gary Payton and it kind of reminded me of the episode where it might've been episode one or two one or two where he was, or three or four, it was three or four episodes, three and four, where he was stumbled when they asked when Isaiah gave that response. And he was ready to say something, but it was like, oh, I'm thrown off. So Gary Payton says, hey, I wasn't afraid of Mike. Everybody else was scared of him, basically. I wore it out. I felt like I, I, felt like I could guard him. I felt like we, I felt like I wore him down. I challenged him. Um, so on and so on. Gary Payton, you know, respect, respected Jordan, but he's like, yo, uh, we had a, he said, we had a good team too. So Peyton basically said, he, he's a regular, basically saying he was, he was human to me. Um, they showed Jordan that clip and Jordan just laughs at me. <laughs> uh, I wasn't uh, worried about the glove. And that was the end of the, that was the end of that uh, part of the interview. No, he said, I didn't have any problem with Gary. I didn't have any problem with the glove. I had no problem with Gary Payton. Um, let me know. And he said the glove. No, he said the glove. He didn't say Gary Payton. He said the glove. He said the glove. He called, he called him a glove. He said, I had no problem with the glove. So, sad. Go ahead. All right. Um, 
So, uh, first, I didn't know I still had these emotions in me until it happened. <laughs> I didn't know I had no clue that I could that I could feel this way. Um, so, I I guess in some way I, I should be <laughs> thankful for that. Um, but so so I mean, like I I was. I it's it's been a complicated week with this, but here's 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 what I'll say, like like there were two times during the docu series where I stopped and I called Chad because I, I I just needed a real reaffirming. One was particularly about how a certain segment was cut, and then I was just calling to yell yell just just yell about what happened. And when I listened to him, he actually talked about how this scene was the the how it was cut. And when I called Chad, it was because I rarely watch any of the, the any of the the um talking heads anymore because they just talk nonsense. Um but I was it got me excited. So I was looking up Seattle old Seattle clips um uh, of 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 the team and then so there was the segment with Greenberg and somebody else or whatever and basically he was like and Jordan just laughed at him how do you how do you think that makes Gary Payton feel that he was just laughed at he was like da, da, da. it was him and Jalen Rose that's who it was or whatever and that's when I called Chad because I was enraged by that because my initial perception of it was that Gary Payton had stood up to Jordan and that Jordan like like he like how it was cut it was because Jordan didn't have a reaction. But then when I talked to Chad, I started thinking about how he said how it was cut. And I've reflected on that um, through, through the entire week. And while I still maintain Gary Payton's position was, I'm not fucking, I wasn't scared of him. I could guard him. Like I, like I had a good game plan against him and Carl should have put me on him. The way that it was constructed was set up for the laugh and it's set up for the reaction. That that was kind of like my aha. Like the thing that upset me in that moment of listening to Greenberg and Jalen Rose talking about how Jordan was laughing was exactly why that scene was constructed like that. And what even more pisses me off on this is that um, I know how the story went. I remember that time. I was a Seattle Seahawks fan. I mean, Seattle uh, Supersonics fan, and um, and. Even I back then didn't think they had a chance. So the ultimate was fine. Blah blah blah. When the when the thing starts, I was ready and prepared. Like the Lauren Hill, the Nas Lauren Hill music hits. I'm like, okay, you know, this is like da da da. So it's like the the like he, this narrative could easily have been, you know, the success of the Bulls team and how great they were and everything like that. I wouldn't have had a problem with this at all. This specific point was about how Gary Payton guarded him and how good of a defensive player he was against Jordan in that particular series and for him to attack that point and then try to erode it with his fucking laughter is the thing that pisses me off not any because he has no statistical or no empirical evidence because all of it points to that Gary Payton was very successful against him all he could do was paint him as laughable and rely on his greatness and that's the part that's super super annoying about it and super upsetting about it and what enrages me is you've already won in all these situations you've already won by a factor of everything, yet you still 
zero in on one aspect and whether it and whether you are backed up by it or whether you're not backed up by up by it you're going to push your narrative through and because nike espn disney all in this all in this together all presented this is all packaged by them will carry that narrative then on the opposite side of that you have a great defender who did a great job and that was the fucking point you brought this up that was the point it wasn't could seattle beat them in this series it wasn't was seattle a, a major contender to the set that was not the point at all it was the defense of Peyton on jordan which was absolutely on point on him the fact that you the only way in which you could come back at that was to then um, laugh at somebody and then get your entire stooges to then regurgitate that out throughout the week. He did it to Isaiah. He did it to, you know, he's done it to everybody essentially in this documentary is the thing that, that was, was very frustrating. Um, yeah, I'm going to end it at that. Cause anything else, I just will come off as incoherent and angry. <laughs> no, it was very well articulated. Well said. I got every point you said. Um, stated. Um, Talk about the structure, Chad, because that that really helped me. As far as the editing standpoint, uh huh. Of that, yeah. of how they did that. Tell tell them what you said to me. Okay, so what me and Rob were talking about was surreal. Like when you watch this, and you there's gaps in this documentary, right? As far as like when I say gaps, there's issues with the way things are transitioning the timelines, there's times where we find ourselves in a different period of the story. So what happens is when an editor takes the raw footage, they put together what's called an assembly, which is the rough draft of what the film will look like, whatever the story is. They share that with the producers, the director, whoever, the people that are greenlighting everything. And then they figure out how to piece the story together. What you'll find is there's more gaps for a couple of reasons. Either something was shot inaccurately, acted poorly, or not executed to the way you want it. You mentioned earlier Jordan stumbling over the words with Isaiah. That's a small situation that they kept in there, but he was expecting Isaiah to react a certain way, which Isaiah didn't react to. That's why he stumbled, right? There's a reason that we saw the baseball footage that was real shoddy, then it just stopped talking about baseball. Because the only point, the intention was to show, I'm a great baseball player. I was great. Let's kill that narrative. But we only have this amount of footage to show that. Because if we show the other, other footage, it exposes the real story. There's a reason that we see this soundbite from Gary Payton and Jordan laughing and not any other extra information about Gary Payton in that interview. There's not like there's any interview that takes place of one question and the person leaves, right? More than likely, Gary Payton sat down with them over an hour, two hours, and there's a lot of other footage. There's a reason that they didn't talk about the first 10 minutes with Kobe Bryant. They only waited for that one soundbite of him to say, Jordan is the reason I won these championships. So that all goes into editing. I hope that kind of clarifies what yeah, you're talking yeah. about, Rob. Yeah. So then, so then, now, now, I'll add, like, I, I, I wanted you to explain that because that that made sense. Like, so when I originally saw the Gary Payton interview, right, like, like it set up to me as a Gary Payton fan, like Gary Payton was being given 
the opportunity to say, I'm not scared of Jordan, and that Jordan didn't have a response other than laughing. Chad pointed out that the immediate after Jordan laughed goes back to his father. Yep. So there's not even an opportunity. So Gary Payton would look like an asshole if he started coming back and started shouting and everything like that. So when he said that to me, I didn't fully understand it at the time, but I started thinking on it. And then I thought about how it was cut. And so then that changed my perspective on it. Gary Payton was given the opportunity to look arrogant against yeah. Jordan, right? Like, like all of that was not to say Gary Payton wasn't afraid of him. All of that is to say Gary Payton was arrogant. And then, then you have Jordan who just, because he's so arrogant and I'm Jordan, all I need to do, I don't even need to have a response to that. All I have to do is laugh and to show, to clip people off like me, who was like, oh, Jordan had something to say about everybody else immediately after the next footage is about dad and goes to, back to, to dad's dad. To amplify your point, Rob, as I'm watching this in real time, I'm about to text our fellas thread the stats about Gary Payton, literally. I was about to text it, copy and paste it, and then the dad segment came on. And I said, if I text this to those people I know on this thread who love Jordan, I'm going to come across as just a hater. Yeah. Like, when you talk about death and certain things that either you've experienced or haven't experienced, there's no room to argue that. Right? They go like, nah, <laughs> Gary Payton, nah. I, the glove, I had no problems with him. I actually had other things on my mind. Cut. Father's Day, yep. tears, yep. crying. Yep. Oh, that's the reason. Yep. And this is not a Gary Payton thing. Right, Surreal? You brought this up because you were frustrated too. Let's go to the Orlando Magic real quick. Yes. Okay? So real quick, before we go there, we didn't highlight the best player in the finals. Fuck Gary Payton, Jordan shit. Sean Kemp was the best player. Right. First and foremost. Yeah. We didn't even talk about Sean Kemp. No. So I'm hearing people irresponsibly talk about him as an alley-oop dunker. This is what I'm hearing on SportsCenter and first taking all this, right? Not thinking about how he even shitted on Dennis Rodman. No one was shitting on Dennis Rodman, but he shitted on Dennis Rodman. Fuck yeah. it. Sean Kim was the best player in that whole series. Yeah. So let's, let's use the same editing process, Rob, with the Orlando Magic, right? Mm-hmm. We don't talk about how Shaq dominated yard a year before. We don't talk about how much of an asset Horace Grant was. We don't talk about the only reason you won is when y'all went out and got Dennis Rodman, who was the only player that could defend Shaq. What we do highlight is that when the Bulls lost, Jordan looked tired all of a sudden. Now, this is what's confusing because it's like, okay, and it's based we on the highlights of what he did in Madison Square, Square Garden. We saw the highlights of how he killed the Knicks, changed the oh, number back to 23. We've seen all of this Jordan's back stuff. So I but did. then when he gets tired... We're like, ah, oh, he's just, he doesn't have the legs. That narrative, the, the, that, so uh, I'm glad you addressed the Orlando thing. I did a, uh, I did a uh, read, I did a show, a podcast on uh, that, that, that particular game, that game six, uh, Orlando took him out of Chicago Stadium. Um, so when you, when you do this, you look at, you're not just looking at that game, you're looking at stuff that's leading up to that game, the year that's leading up, what have you, the team, deep diving the teams. This narrative that Jordan was out of shape, um, you know, wasn't himself. Just, it's just not. It's, it's not true. 
<laughs> it's just not. It's just not. I mean, if you really look at, I looked at a couple of those games. I look. I really looked at that series. Orlando was bigger and stronger in the middle. They had no. Horace Grant dominated that series. Shaq did what he had had to do, and Penny Hardaway took energy out of Michael Jordan when Jordan tried to guard him. They could, could not defend Penny Hardaway. It's just that simple. Now Jordan in that series played well. He averaged thirty-one six and five. Uh, the last game, he just game six, he didn't play well. It's just, it's just that simple. He had a bad game. Shit happened. It happens. He had a bad fucking game. Orlando was a better team, and that's it. That's it. Simple. That's but, but this is simple. Was, but exactly. This is the, yeah. no. But going fuck talk about narcissism for a minute. Let's talk about building a hero for a second. Yeah. And this is the problem when you can't yep. build a hero constructively. You have to see them fall. You have to see their weaknesses. This is what makes them stronger, right? So as I'm watching this documentary, <laughs> 10 episodes, um, eight in already. The only thing that's been consistent is this guy has never failed. And if he has failed, it was because of something else. Never because he had a bad game or somebody was better. Never because somebody was better. Never. 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 Ever. Never, ever. ever. It was never, always ever. something deeper going on. Uh, Jordan was going to go to the major leagues. Yeah. Apparently. Yep. Apparently. <laughs> He's going to go to major leagues if there wasn't a strike. Come on now. Jordan can do anything he puts his mind to. What you talking about, Chad? What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And that's <laughs> no, I, I'm like, uh, real quick, I gotta say this. I had to say this because this is on my heart. Two things are on my heart. Two things were heavy on my heart. Last week we talked about the politics in Jordan. And I was drunk as usual. And I was like, okay, this is the problem I had with the politics of Jordan. If everybody's okay with the politics of Jordan and him not standing for anything, because there's a distinguishment. People always argue everybody's not supposed to be a civil rights leader and activist. No one's saying all of that, but you got to stand for something. But if we all had that Jordan mentality, we would never have seen Jordan. Because the first question is, Jordan, who did you look up to growing up? Well, I don't know to this day. Jordan has never talked about, I aspire to be so. Kobe has talked about who Jordan has looked up to. And it was a, like a slight passive aggressive thing he did once in his um, interview with Ahmad Rashad. He was like, yo, yeah, I emulated Jordan. Jordan followed Dr. J. So-and-so followed it. He went through the whole thing. Jordan's never spoke about anybody he's followed. But my point of bringing up the politics was, if everybody had the Jordan mentality to shut up and dribble, we would never have seen Michael Jordan. His predecessors had to do what they had to do for a reason. The Kareems, the Bill Russells, they paved the way. If they were on some shut up and dribble shit, there would be no fucking Michael Jordan. Let's be very clear. That's number one right so number two as we sit up here and paint this picture of he is invincible and all of this other shit it's like dude there's a way to get what you want but do it in a great way of storytelling i can give jordan what he wants you want you 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 we can do that but let's not let's not fucking dumb down to for our audience when you show me clips of bj armstrong and LeBradford Smith, that's embarrassing to me. 
it's it's insulting to me. What you should have done in this documentary, this show, Jordan is such a god. He Highlight all have, your accomplishments. Just no, 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 not just that. He's such a god, Rob. He didn't have contemporaries. Show me Mitch Richmond. Show me Reggie Miller. Show me all the best two guards. That show the distinguishment that they no one can compare to Jordan. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, there's a way that you can show your narrative, still feed your narcissism by saying that no one, as even as I was looking for people to be on my level. But what you did, when you bring up for Smith, B.J. Armstrong, Dan Marley, I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Who's that? Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's the distinguishment between having an ego, a healthy ego that we all have to have, right, to be successful, especially black men in this country, being successful and really good. We all have to have a healthy ego and a belief in ourselves versus narcissism, right? Narcissism is that everything is about me and everything about you is about me. Everything about, in the world is about me, right? Whether good, bad, indifferent, it's about me and and. I am justified in reacting to it. The bullying part, the narcissistic part comes in that, that other, the other point. Cause in my mind, your mind, what you're saying, absolutely. Jordan, you own the world in general. All you gotta do is just talk about you and everything you accomplished, boom. I mean, it's a great, like this, we, we just got a 10 part, you know, uh, whatever that the, the things that we used to see on VHS where he's dunking and doing all this stuff all the time, which is how, which is how his myth was built. And, fantastic um but it's the tearing people down right it's the building up people that are not even nowhere close to your level just to tear them down watch just to, watch just to, i don't even know just watch just it to again them. to your point i'm watching bj armstrong he can't even believe the questions he's being asked <laughs> this moment. like he was in the middle of the interview like yo this is crazy they're interviewing me <laughs> about my game with Michael Jordan. I'm gonna answer your questions, but I can't believe. Like he was having an out of body experience in the middle of the interview. <laughs> and I said, I'm sitting here counting minutes. At first it was funny, and then it got very sick for me. I said, BJ Armstrong? Okay. Oh, we're gonna do a whole BJ Armstrong segment? A whole segment. Oh, entire one. A whole segment whole about the one time he roared in Jordan. One time, the one time. On the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. No words, man. It's yeah. totally. Ultimately, what what is the why of this? I mean, I'm not gonna call it a documentary. No, it's not, it's not a documentary. What is the why of this entire series? This is what before the Gary Payton stuff happened. I had come to at peace because it dawned on me. I was like, oh. This is an autobiography okay. as told by Michael Jordan. Right. I was like, oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. This is, this is his digital bi autobiography, right? Um, the, many of them have been, uh, you know, millions have been done throughout history where, you know, the author sits down with the subject and you pin, you go through their life and you pin it and that's fine. You know, that, that, whatever. Um, it was just crystallized for me in a, personal way because it was somebody that I'm a great fan of but they had been happening consistently throughout the, the the eight episodes to everybody that Jordan 
I mean, it's hard to even say has a problem with because, as we know, with the other, with the 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 dude that averaged six points, some of this stuff was just made up in his mind. Like, there's no problem. He just made it up, <laughs> and, and and went and just he just made it up. So, this is um, it's it's not only a, a autobiography. This is this is this is um, this is the extended version of his hall of fame speech this is the jordan i want to uh assassinate your character tour um just just or petty the 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 uh jordan petty autobiography um but but yeah it's on one side yeah it's absolutely to reaffirm his greatness as told by him but then on the very flip side of it it is to um to write any imagine or real wrong verbally that he possibly can. And, and I'll say this. I think that it's the most telling and insecure documentary I've ever watched in my life. I think that um, Jordan sat down with his PR team and say, find every negative report about me in life. And I want to go by play by play and kill those reports. Whatever someone is ever saying about me and going to back to Rob's whole point of it, it's all about narcissism. But going back to that, it's like anything ever negative said about me, I want to address and change that narrative. Yep. Right? That's Baseball, bam. Perfect way of saying it. Struggling against Seattle Supersonics, boom. A younger Orlando team beating me, damn. Like whatever anyone can say at all, at all about my legacy, let's put it to rest completely. Even George, even Kobe Bryant, damn, I didn't know he was gonna die. He died. Keep that in there. Boom. It don't matter. It don't there was nothing off limits. Like whatever anyone has to say at all about my legacy that I don't want to die on. I'm going to once and for all address it the way it happened in my mind and the only reason it happened. That's what this all is about. That's really all it is. It's that simple. So there you go. Perfect is that. So, the, you know, and to your point, Rob, about the talking heads, um, there's been, I've watched a lot of stuff, a lot of coverage on this through various talking heads or or whether it be first take uh, through YouTube, different radio shows, and, and what have you, and it's just unbelievable that we don't we this this podcast, real deal podcast, keeping it real. We are in the absolute minority. I mean, it's been a a love fest to to the hundredth degree. Even by old, and it's not even by thirty-year-olds or twenty-year-olds. I'm talking about even by you know older heads uh, who seen this stuff before. As far as knowing, as far as not receiving new information, it's to be. You're looking at it from the informational perspective, but there are very real consequences if you. So the reason we can talk this because nobody gives a fuck about yeah. like like us and like you know like there are very real consequences for some of those other people if they speak out negatively 
And we already see Jordan is a psycho, <laughs> is vindictive, and he's backed by the most powerful people in their industries. Like this is, this is a juggernaut that is behind him. What um, Rob just said, I'm gonna say differently. Then Rob, you could jump back in. No. Baseball Jordan. <laughs> this is so stupid, I had to laugh. He got mad and never spoke to Sports Illustrated again. Oh, for the cover? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the cover, he was like, they didn't talk with me. Really, Jordan? This never happens? This never happens? I couldn't believe watching this segment. All the other times they put you on the cover and you were highlighted, did they come and talk to you about how great, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> all the other times you were highlighted, all the other players that were ridiculed before you. <laughs> fuck that. Like, dude, whatever. And what he did was, Jordan is the type of nigga, he don't like the way the game's playing, he go home, he takes his ball and goes home. Mm-hmm. This is what people need to understand. Stop saying this old school, new school shit. If we want to say old school, new school, Jordan has the spirit of a new school ass punk ass nigga. That's who he has the spirit of. He's extra overly sensitive and very feminine and everything else we want to say that's misogynistic and, and, and you know toxic masculinity would say. He's everything that people say about these new age people, kids. He already had a fucking hoop earring in his ear. This fucking 2000 Jordan would have had fucking booty shorts on and a fanny pack and earrings in every ear and his nose and his fucking nipples pierced. That's what 2020 Jordan would look like on a fucking NBA court and arguing about every call and flopping. He would have been everything that we hate about these new players. Jordan epitomizes that. Trust me, he would have been soft, snitching, bitching. He would have had rainbow colored beard because he ain't got no fucking hair he's bald but everything else would have just been soft and weak and passive this pussy ass nigga i'm watching crying about everything and saying i'm not going to talk to you i've never spoke to sports illustrated again me and barkley aren't friends isaiah didn't touch my hand fuck what come on let's really break this shit down let's really break this shit down piece by piece and hear what this nigga said this pussy he's a pussy this is the softest shit i've ever seen in my life I'm just giving you six different situations where he's like, I don't like that. I'm going to hold a grudge. What happened with Barkley? Well, he articulated that I wasn't a good GM, so I said, fuck this friendship. Isaiah, after me saying that he's not a champion, he didn't shake my hand. Sports Illustrated said I'm not great at baseball. (laughs) Right? They questioned me about being late and tired for a game because I was in Atlantic City. We can go on and on about Jordan the victim. But when are we going to be like, yo, this is some pussy-ass shit? Because we real quick to say it to anybody else. And to Rob's point, there's too many hands at play in that Jordan brand where they can't say certain shit. There's too many people who have the consequences, and part of the consequences is still trying to get into his inner circle anyway. Mm-hmm. So we all going to be like, oh, blah, blah, blah. the only people being real are the people that Jordan blackball anyway. You know what I mean? Niggas like Craig Hodges talking for days. Like, oh, interview me. Interview me. I got something to say. It's Craig Hodges. It's fucking Bill Winnington and like three other niggas is talking shit about Jordan that no one's interviewing. Winky Dink, you think? <laughs> fucking um, Shannon Sharp better watch his mouth. You know what I mean? The way he be coming to Jordan, that nigga, he might be have one more year on his, uh, ESPN. I don't know. But like anybody is being real, you're not hearing from. You're not hearing from. You're hearing from a bunch of cronies. Like me and Rob talked about the other day. The way Jordan had to sign off on Steve Kerr even speaking is like, I need to know what Steve Kerr is going to say before he says it. Mm-hmm. 
So after I punched his little white boy in his face, he was like, oh, no, me and Jordan are best friends now. It actually helped us. <laughs> Thank you, Steve Kerr. We'll take that sound bite. Okay, good job, buddy. Keep it moving. Tony Kukoc, you're drunk anyway. What do you want to say? Oh, I don't know. Oh, oh, uh, the war is going on. And, uh, I don't know why they didn't like me. Jerry Cross, where you at? Oh, you're dead? Great. Take his shit. That's the only either you're dead or you're going to say exactly what I wanted you to. Only criteria. Or if I do interview you, I'm going to cut you off when I edit it anyway. Yep. Yep. Gary Payton, Isaiah, rest in peace in the future. <laughs> That's it. Fuck that. Fuck Jordan. I fuck it. Ah. Oh. I can't wait to get this shit over. I want to get to uh, this uh, top 74 list, NBA top 74 players. Let's <laughs> uh, so, um, so hey, I mean, the top 10 they had a top 10. You have Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Russell, Magic, Chamberlain, Bird, Duncan, Kobe, and Shaq. Those are your top 10. Um, who came up with this list? ESPN did oh, this. Okay. ESPN and also uh, CBS did a list too. CBS and CNN.com did a list. They one Bill Russell on the list? You said Bill Russell? Bill Russell's fourth. Okay. Behind uh, Jordan, LeBron, and Kareem. So that, that was your top 10. Um, the point guards Curry was at thir- 13. Chris Paul was 40. Uh, Jason Kidd was 35. Isaiah was 30. Iverson twenty nine. Isaiah was thirty. Hold up, hold up. Let me get, let me finish. Isaiah's thirty. Nash twenty players or a point guards. Point guards, no players. Oh, players, players in general. Players. Players. All right, okay. Yeah. All right. Curry thirteen. Paul forty. Kid thirty five. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah uh, thirty. Um, Nash twenty nine. Iverson. Uh, no, Iverson 29, Stockton 28, Nash 30, Isaiah 31, actually, Kidd 35, Peyton 53, Westbrook 42. Those are the prominent point guards. I- okay, two quick things and I'm done. Fuck this list. Right? <laughs> um, that's what I want to say first and foremost, with all due respect. The list is made by a bunch of geeks who've never played the game for the most part. And if they did play, whatever, fuck it. Emotional decisions. I saw a list last year that had Kobe as some fucking 50 or whatever. Kobe died. Now he makes top 10 all of a sudden. I think Kobe's top 10 anyway, but I'm just telling you how these lists go. It's emotional decisions. Isaiah's trash in the NBA world. So, of course, he's going to be relegated to number 30 or fucking. He lucky he even made the list. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's disgusting. This is what my list is based on. I... Admittedly, I'm embarrassed to say I work very hard, but the last week and a half I've been playing a lot of NBA 2K. I just like, fuck it, I'm going to play video games. Um, I'm playing video games. I'm playing all these old school teams. The best player in NBA history, who to go is drumroll, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know why I know he's the best? Because I struggled the most against him. I played every <laughs> game. <laughs> this is the criteria. Stop laughing. Don't this, don't the, Jordan, this is the Jordan criteria. You this is the criteria. Right. <laughs> I played Jordan. I played the Jordan in the first repeat and at the repeat. The nigga had like 16 points to give me 18. Nothing crazy. 
right? I played LeBron even. LeBron was decent. He didn't have enough help. And he did good, but not great. Dominique was better than I thought he was going to be. But the biggest issue that I had was fucking Kareem in Milwaukee. I was like, yo, was he this good? I was like, I started Googling this shit. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? I can't stop this nigga. He had like 20-something, 14 rebounds. I put everybody I could on him. I said, yo, he's the best player ever. I know that for a fact. I know that shit because I saw a way to stop Jordan. There's no way I could have stopped this fucking big behemoth ass defense. Yo, this nigga's fucking robot. Who can argue that? Who can argue that someone is actually better than Kareem? There's no Kareem rule. The only Kareem rule was the fucking policy that said you can't dunk. That's a fucking rule. Fuck defense. They made a policy that said, yo, it's illegal to dunk. If that's not the GOAT, I don't know what the GOAT is. You can't dunk anymore, sir. <laughs> That's a rule. After playing this game and then really thinking about it, I said, yo, if I'm Kareem, I'm mad as shit. I did everything <laughs> that people wanted Jordan to do, and he hasn't done. And this nigga, they keep in all this fucking shine, too. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the best player ever. Oh, NBA 2K and argue with me. Kareem. <laughs> it's not even close. Uh, Kareem was a beast. Yeah, Kareem was a beast. Uh, yeah, but fuck that list. I like Curry. He's number 13 and 30 to Isaiah. No, sorry. No, no. No, uh, no Carmelo, no uh, Dwight Howard. Oh, why the fuck you bring up Carmelo? <laughs> that, that's not even. No, they didn't make a list. Neither one he didn't make the top 74? No, neither one of them made the top 74. No. Who's neither one? Who's the other one you said? It was Dwight Howard, Carmelo. And well, what's up? Wait, first of all, don't be disrespectful. I do, I do. Don't, don't do that shit. Like, yeah, don't do that shit. Don't do like that. The real don't do that. How dare you? How dare you? That was evil. How dare you bring up Carmelo and fucking Dwight Howard in the same sentence? Don't do that. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Don't do that. That shit is really uncalled for, man. That's really uncalled for, dude. Really? I do that. Dwight is one on no level. Don't do that shit. He should be on the list. They both should be on the list. He should be on the list. Don't, don't bring them up in the same sentence is what I'm saying. Okay, fuck yeah, Neither way, hold on. Uh, Carmelo, Carmelo hasn't won anything. Oh, shit. Oh, Dwight, Howard, Dwight Howard took his team to the finals. Carmelo, how many finals appearances did Carmelo got? Come on. You can't, you can't say you can't. All right, Skip Bayless. Let's yeah. go back to who fucking Dwight Howard had to go against against who Carmelo was going to be. He beat LeBron. He beat LeBron in the series. Come on, man. Come on. LeBron and who? Agalskis and Eric Snow? Hey, he beat LeBron in the series. Come on. No, they both should be on the list. They both should be on the list. Uh, so I'm, I'm not arguing. Why are we even talking about this? I, I, you know what? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you got me. Got it. I'm back. I'm back. Vince Carter made the list. Vince Carter's on the list at 55. That's that. You know what? <laughs> Stop talking about this list and I don't care about it. Because now I'm starting to care about it. This shit is, I'm about, to, I'm about to send someone a very, very uh, frank email. Because <laughs> this shit is blowing me. I here, love this, Carter. Fuck this, Carter. Is, here is what I will say. <laughs> Lists like these are created for conversations like this. Yes, yeah. That is their specific uh, design. It is not well researched. Well, I mean, you know, blah blah blah, whatever. You know, it's not putting together all the different things that we might think make a great basketball player. It wants to drum up um, conversation for you guys. I mean, you have Nash and then Isaiah Thomas. I mean, that is meant 
to be 30, 31. That, that's, that's meant to, to like, come on. I, I want to ask you real, a, a real question here. Besides myself, would anybody watch a Carmelo Anthony documentary? Like, do you understand how great this guy was? Or is it just me? Am I the only one? <laughs> yeah, you're the only one. You got you got to put some advertising behind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just say Here we go. Here we here we go again. Here we go again. Real quick. Got to see some. This is my second time using NBA 2K as my data. So there's a situation where you can auction off cards. Carmelo's Anthony card is one of the most highly anticipated bidding cards. It's a lot of money to get a Carmelo Anthony card. Right. Tomorrow, Sarah, I want you to play back. <laughs> I want you to play this back for Chad. That's all. Just that's it. Just play it back for him. This is where this is what you was talking about last night. Go ahead. I, I'm just I'm just frustrated, man. I'm I'm frustrated. No one wanted to see the bullshit ass Dwayne Wade documentary. I get that. But Melo is not getting his just due. Kobe, rest in peace, said he was the hardest dude I ever had to play against. You know what I'm saying? Like <sighs> Melo didn't make the list with Vince Carter, bitch ass. And I like Vince Carter. No disrespect to his bitch ass. He's, he's, number, <laughs> he's number 50 something. 55. Yeah. But he didn't go to the finals either. No. He never no. won anything. No. Never won any Olympics or college games or championships, but whatever. He won he, a dunk contest. He won a dunk he contest. Did, he did win a dunk contest. He got a gold medal. Now, Vince got a gold medal. He did get a gold medal in 2000. He got a gold medal. With what team? 2000. The team that they almost lost that year. That was that Gary Payton team. Gary oh, the Payton. forgettable team. Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, they won barely. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they are forgettable. They, yeah. Is is um Gerald Green on the list, or Isaiah Ryder, or Josh Smith, <laughs> or what? Uh, John Wall, other dunk contests <laughs> winners. <laughs> this is some bullshit, man. Like you said, I know why these lists are made, but damn, they pull you in. Damn, they pull you in. Ah. <laughs> Time, perfect time to come out with a list. There's no basketball. No basketball. No basketball. No basketball. Perfect time to come out with a list. No basketball. I can't wait for this fucking documentary to be over. Okay. All right. One last point. How about the players coming up, the players meeting, having a conference call? All the all the top players had a conference call saying that they wanted to play, discussing the future of like the league in terms of what, what, is, what it will look like to come back. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So you had Carmelo, not Carmelo, you had uh, LeBron, Chris, LeBron, Chris Paul, no, it wasn't Carmelo. Carmelo's going to be involved in everything from now on. <laughs> yeah, LeBron, Chris Paul, uh, the Greek Freak, uh, Westbrook, Damian Lillard. They purposely didn't invite Carmelo to that meeting. So Harden, Harden didn't get invited. Harden didn't get invited. So, you know. Yeah. Nobody so, wants Harden I think the conversation was a ploy by Adam Silver, White Walker ass, and his team to make sure that it's understood the players want to play too and there's no pressure, that they're actually pressuring the owners. I do think the players do want to play too, but I think that that leak and everything speaks to what everyone's trying to get to happen anyway. I think big business and basketball wants to get going. All the majority of the owners really want to get to going. The coaches want to play. So let's go ahead and say all of the heads of the, the union and all the other bullshit with the players, the ambassadors are all green lighting this. Yeah. So there's no one that can say anything outside of that. 
the the big move was i mean if you look and and to to be very very blunt and honest um this is not a subject i've researched a lot i've just kind of like just hit here and there um i'm very consistent on all aspects of everything that um is public safety is public health and safety that's first and everything else can go away um for as long as it needs to go away until that's solved now in lieu of that the the i knew it was going to change when i saw people not getting paid right like and so to chad's point as an ownership team you can't look insensitive to your players health so you need them on board so as soon as i heard players are gonna not be paid <laughs> or not be paid what they're used to being paid and then i heard players getting together on this call you could put you could put two to two together um it, it's it's money so whatever gets that 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 money flow going again is what is is what is going to is what is going to happen um yeah but you didn't ask me if they should play you said what do i think about yeah, that's a different question that's yeah. a different question i mean no they shouldn't play but uh i think what's i think what's going to happen is because we see the country starting to uh reopen in uh in various spots um this whole we can't function without we can't stay indoors forever you, you know you're hearing a lot of that and like the country's going to reopen and, and that's that's what i say let's pause all of that is bs we're people are not getting paid money's not happening that's all it is right no damn all that other stuff all that other stuff is crap. No, it's about the money. No, it's, you can't it's stay inside forever. Blah blah blah. blah, no, blah. It's about the money. Yes. It's about the money. Yes. So just keep it at that. That is the only thing this is about. It's about the money. But yes. I think that they, you know, when they want to get paid, when they, they want to get paid, but when you see some of these businesses starting to open, people are going to push. They're going to push like, all right, we can open as well as far as uh, getting on the court. So I, I think that that you're going to see a lot of that as well. You. You're going to use that narrative to kind of push that agenda of wanting of getting back on the court. But yeah, the number one reason is about the money because they admit their their next check. I think this this would be the first. It's May fifteenth. So I think mm -hmm. this is going to be the first check that they take a hit, with the exception of like five players who are going to take a hit. The next, the first check in the twenty twenty one season, and that's a select group like Chris Paul, LeBron, and two like three other players because of some type of. Uh, in some type of thing, a thing in their contract, uh, they're gonna. Have to, I mean, they're gonna have to give up some money. So, so everybody's gonna have to give up some money um, with this with this pay period, with the exception of those those four or five players. But um, I I think that ultimately we we're gonna see basketball how it looks. Who knows? But I I do think that um, I do think we're gonna see basketball. If you can ask me today, May fifteenth. Yep, agreed. Sure. Like you said, we're not talking about should it happen. We're not talking about what it would look like. But I totally agree that it's going to happen. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. It's I, a larger. It's a larger conversation. No, it's definitely a larger conversation. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a larger conversation. Um, one more episode. Episode nine and ten Sunday. <laughs> It'll be one that. 
you know, one more episode to end it off. Yeah. I, the only thing I will say, um, I was a little ahead of myself last week when we met, and I said, Rob, mark my words, we're going to see a Bill Russell segment. I mean, Byron Russell. When I made that joke to you, I had no idea that we were going to see B.J. Armstrong before that. So Byron Russell may get about 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> After watching B.J. Armstrong and them stretch that out, like, ooh, Byron may get a lot of shine now. It might be Greg Ostertag. I don't know who it's going to be. It could be Shankin <laughs> Anderson or who else Utah had. Howard Isley. It's whatever. You have no idea who Jordan has made up in his mind that he has a beef with. Yeah. What is the episode about? Nine? They're going to focus on the, uh, focus on the Utah series. They're going to focus on the, the, the two Utah series. They met 97-98. So oh, so 9 and 10 is all about the Utah series. Yeah. They'll be both, they're both Utah series. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Byron Russell, we're going to see a lot of him. Oh, Did Gary yeah. Sloan walk by Jordan at dinner as well? Who knows? Ah, we're done. But that was such a a useless point because, like I said, he didn't even dominate Sonics. If he was really using that for fuel, it didn't work. If George Carl really pissed him off, it didn't show in his performance. No, they weren't. That was a wasted clip. But whatever. It didn't work. All right, gentlemen. Take it easy. Fellas. Take care, fellas. Stay stay healthy. Yes. Yes, stay healthy. All right. All right. That is going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Um, we ju- I just dropped the uh, Chicago Utah look look back at uh, Game Five or Game Six episode where we looked back at the the shot uh, Chicago's last championship in '98. So Game Six of '98 Finals. So you can check that out. On my YouTube, on my YouTube channel, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the other various uh, platforms that have podcasting, um, we will be. This episode will be available uh, Saturday morning, so you can check, you know, check out that. Um, and of course, I'll, I will be back along with Rob Sap Sunday to break down episode eight, season one, episode eight of The Wire Lessons. Enjoy your evening, enjoy your weekend. See you Sunday. I'm out.